Hey, 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 what's going on? Podcast Nation is Jason Harris here, and thank you for joining me another episode of Strategy with Jason. Today, I have a very special guest. I have the one, the only, the oh-so-famous Mr. Josh Mitchell in the house. Welcome to the Strategy with Jason podcast. Tune in for everything you need to know to stay in the know regarding the automotive industry. Here's your host, Jason Harris. Josh, what's up, bro? What's up, brother? <laughs> I'm auto-famous. You're auto-famous. Yeah, me and Joe Webb have a, a saying that we're auto-famous. Not famous in any other aspect, but automotive. <laughs> Just automotive. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good thing. It is a good thing. Absolutely, it's a good thing. Hey, Josh, for everyone out there that's watching and listening right now who maybe don't know who you are, uh, let's kick it off with a little origin story because I'm always fascinated to find out myself. How did you get started in this crazy little world we call the automotive industry? You know, it's funny because I was in the mortgage business for eight years from boom to crash. Okay. And, and during the crash, I was, I worked for like eight different lenders that don't exist today. They're all bankrupt, wow. done. And uh, I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try automotive. My wife was like, you, sh- you should probably try that. Let's, let's you know, whatever. <laughs> and so kind of got in the automotive world and it hooked me just like mm-hmm. anything. Um, that was 2011. 2011. And I went and worked. Yeah, I got sucked in. And I, and I went and worked for, I won't name names, I went and worked for, you know, the the worst of the worst car business, car dealerships, where they did everything belittled, yelled, screamed. It sounds like the first dealership I worked Took at. advantage you of just, customers. Yeah, you, just, you, you know, a lot about what not to do. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I passed this little dealership in my hometown um, called Dan Cummins Chevrolet. Okay. And I passed it, and I was like, man, I, I don't like this dealership. And so I kept calling them. Like any BDC rep would do. Just before just I was ever a BDC up. rep, just followed up. Finally got a hold of somebody there and, and got pushed into an interview and spent six and a half years there and that kind of started my journey and nice. where I am now. Nice. Well, we got some cool topics we're going to talk about yeah. today. Uh, we got to talk a little bit before we started recording about it, but. Um, Internet sales, which I think is a big one right now, especially what's going on with inventory shortage. I mean, I think you're seeing right now who the real players are and who the ones that were just, you know, yeah, well, you know, they were in good times, they showed good results, but that didn't necessarily mean that they had solid processes in place. So I think, you know, we're really seeing that kind of that cream rise to the top when it comes to people that are handling internet sales. We're gonna jam a little bit about leadership, which I think is cool. And then we're gonna go into some BDC. But so let's start with internet sales. Let's, um, look, last 24 months has been pretty pretty trippy, right? So how, how have you seen uh, how, you know, let's say the inventory shortage and just the pandemic alone has kind of changed internet sales? Well, I think with, with leadership inside the, in the internet sales, um, you know, it's all about speed. You know, when you're talking about internet sales, it's all about speed. Um, forever and ever and ever, we talked about just get them in type scenarios. Yep. And my mindset is if the customer wants to work the car deal completely from scratch to soup the nuts, everything over the phone, over the internet, let's do it. You know, Why Carvana not? doesn't have it over us. Like we're the, the professionals in that. And yep. so for me as a, as a leader inside that department, it was about the speed. And, and really getting my team ready, you know, to be able to handle all the obstacles that are going to come our way mm-hmm. with the inventory shortage where we're selling paper instead of an actual physical vehicle. You know, yes. we've not been able, we've not been in that scenario in my, in my time. Well, no, that's actually a really good point. I actually heard a stat the other day from another vendor uh, that handles a lot of leads 
that they were saying right around 40% of leads that are coming in right now are already on sold vehicles. Yeah. I mean, the vehicle's already gone, oh. all right? So there's just this, this excess amount of just leads. And for most dealerships out there, the way they're handling it is, yeah, thanks, Mr. Customer. Uh, yeah, no, it's been sold. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, and, and they're not realizing that they've heard that from a lot of different dealerships. Mm -hmm. and, and yes, there's a lot of consumers that will call around and, and go 250, 300, 500 miles away to find the one Tahoe that's out there that's not sold already. Yeah. But the reality is, is that it, it's a different conversation. Yes. That one's sold, but, and let's go down the path of ordering the one strictly just for you, um, just the way you want it. It's gonna take this amount of time mm -hmm. um, and really selling that fact that you're gonna make it easy and when it comes in, it's yours. We're going to get everything taken care of for you and make it an easy transaction. Mm -hmm. And I think for consumers, uh, obviously, they're getting trained to do this now at this point because uh, they've heard it enough. But most dealerships don't want to do that because most salespeople like most salespeople want to sell the car in front of them that's on the lot right now. But is it the salespeople's fault or here I'm going to throw a curveball at you or is it the pay plan fault? Well, it's a pay plan's fault, right? But we've had we have pay plan <laughs> issues. That's a whole other. That's another whole yeah, podcast. That's true. But but I mean, but that is a pretty big portion of it. I mean, when your pay plan is built off of uh, sell what you have in stock, and you don't have it in stock, yeah. when you have ten cars in stock, what do you what, what's the best you can do? Ten. Yeah. And there and there are a lot of dealerships. Well, look, there are a lot of dealerships that have adapted and have modified pay plans uh, to create you know this 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 model around selling the paper. Mm -hmm. Okay, and then there's a lot that's, that still aren't, and you get these salespeople that are just frustrated. Yes. Yeah, I think a lot of, of salespeople, because we have this leadership issue of, of really kind of going back to the old school ways, which is sad because we've, we've taken so many steps forward to already now starting to take 20, 30, 40, 50 steps backwards. Mm -hmm. um, and they're not, yeah, it's great to sell what you have. It's great to do that, but... The reality is, is that when you have 10 cars on the lot, the best you can do is 10. And so you have to get your people to think about the future and plan for the future. Like I have a sales consultant that, you know, sometimes her closing rate kind of isn't perfect. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden she'll have 10 cars drop. And yes. so then it's like, oh, that's where they were. Because she's selling paper. But she's gotten used to understanding how to handle that customer who's looking for that 2500 or the Tahoe or the Suburban that just isn't out there and to maneuver them over to building that unit. Yep. And yeah, so yeah, it looks like she sucks, but the reality is that she doesn't. And I think a lot of times when you look at internet sales and even like manager pay, it's all been based off of percentages of closing. Well, okay, yeah, for sure, right? I almost think that we need to just stop looking at closing. Yeah, closing it's, but it's maddening right? for me because I guess we almost need my... to look at sold ratios yeah. and like delivery ratios. Yeah. And that's yeah. because it, it just... Because if not, you're going to go mad. 100%. Because for people who are like, we're at 15, 16, 17% closing yep. rates. Well, that doesn't, it's hard to get there right now. Yeah. I mean, look, the salesperson does their job if they sold the car. Yeah. All right. Uh, if they can't get it, if the deal doesn't get financed or if the vehicle six months out, all right, it's still, the salesperson still, still did still their job, job yeah. you know? Yeah. Exactly. So look, that is definitely a mindset I think uh, as an industry we, we have to adapt. And, and also, I hope that it's a mindset that we actually don't 
lose. You know, I don't, I don't want this to be like a temporary fix. Like, okay, we'll focus on selling paper now, but then when cars come back, we'll just go back to the way it kind of was. And I think that's what, you know, when the pandemic started, I think there was some issues with, you know, we went to like, there's a lot of dealerships that were, they could only sell remotely. Yeah. And then when we started opening back up, when someone went to do somewhat of a remote sale, they were like, we don't do that anymore. Why? Like we mastered this back then. Why would you want to quit if a consumer, like for me, when I buy a car, yes, I work for dealership and I don't buy Chevys. I I don't, you know, I love Chevy, don't get me wrong, but I like faster cars. And so if, if I call a dealership and I'm like, this is how I want to do it. And they say, no, I move on. Because that's how I want to. I want 100%. the, like, this is what I want. This is what I'm going to pay. This is that, just work it out, deliver it to my house. I'll sign the paperwork and we'll call it a day. And I feel like there are more people out there than I think the industry um, says that there are, yeah. right? And, and then the reason I think the stat is low is because, well, we just don't close a lot of those deals. Mm-hmm. So they just don't end up happening, right? I'll give you an example. I just bought two pickups and I sent out... 10, maybe 12 internet leads. And in there, I say, look, I'm, I'm very busy. I'm, I, I, I honestly will not answer the phone. Okay, and if you send an email, it's gonna get stuck in about 380 other emails. Okay, so just please text me and we'll just figure out what mm-hmm. the next steps are. And that was three, that's it. Yep. Three out of 10 or 12. And it's right, so Actually easy. chose to text me. Well, one, I just totally gave up because you know what he said when he texted me? Give me a call. The exact I'm same like, the exact like, thing you don't want to happen. Like you went as far to actually get your phone to text me when I said you text me. And then your your message was, give me a call. We'll figure yeah. it out. <laughs> yeah. And and I think that's the biggest thing is that we have to meet the consumer where they want to yes. be met. And, and, and that's what I think the last 24 months, a lot of dealerships have taught us and a lot of dealerships have adopted, right? I just don't want to lose that mindset. Yeah. And I think with a lot of things we're, we've kind of going backwards and it's just going back to let's get them in type scenarios and that's you know if we want to compete against the the carvanas or whoever pops up out of nowhere yes. um that's what you have to do like meet your customer where they want it's an easy transaction yeah. and and i think a lot of times it's a mindset of loss of gross like we're going to lose gross because we don't have them here and they haven't smelled the the new leather or whatever the case may be that's not the case it, it's 100 percent not i i actually bought more accessories because there was more time yeah. okay so i had time to think about it so i got the the bed extender i got the tonneau cover i got the running boards you know and it was just a lot of just text communication back and forth and they're like hey jay you know we can do three different types of running boards here's a picture of them you know do you and this is what that payment would be if we added these extra accessories to it. I was like, and I had time because it was time, right, for this this truck to be picked up. Like, yeah, okay, all right, yeah, yeah, all right, let's do that. Extra 60 bucks a month, okay, cool, we'll just tack that on, you know. Uh, But but if I was in the dealership, I don't think I would have done that. No, because you would want to go home. Because you don't want to spend four hours there. No, I actually had some time to like look at. So I, I remember when he, I was like, I didn't want to get running boards. I always never really yeah. liked the idea of a running board, right? And tonneau covers, I'm like, no, like I actually want to throw stuff in the back yeah. of my pickup. But then I got, you know, I was looking online, read a couple of reviews, saw some pictures of other people that had put it. I'm like, you know what? That does look really good. Actually, you know what? I do want it. For yeah. Me. And I think for, for us, it's, it's for the consumer, it's an illusion of saving time. Yes. It actually takes you more, the same amount of time. 
I would actually say more. More time. Right? Because because I'm thinking terms. like if I was in the dealership, let's call it from hello to below sell sign, take maybe two to three hours. Mm-hmm. All right. I bet you because we did the entire process via text message, I bet you I probably allocated over eight to 12 hours of time mm-hmm. looking at things, researching a couple of things. And, you know, even about like first time about the, about the lease warranty. Yeah. I'm like, it's okay. I was like, at first I was like, no, no, no. I don't need it. And then I again looked up some deals. I'm like, okay, you know what? All right, it does cover the tires. Tires are going to have to be replaced anyway. So, okay, then I can't put that cost in. I'm like, okay, you know what? Let's just, let's put it on there. And if it gets scoffed or I get chips or whatever, it's yeah, covered, you know? But but it's because I had the time to do the research and think about it. Yeah. I actually sold myself more. But I don't think that's what dealers think. It's just like, got to get them in, got to get them in, got to get them through, 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 yeah. fast, fast, fast. Slow the process up. down. Yeah, and then they eventually cost them money. It does. Because they don't want to slow down the process. Because the consumer doesn't want to slow down the process while they're there because they want to go home. Yeah. But if they're at the comfort of work or wherever they are, who cares? <laughs> who cares? Like, they're like, they'll text you for eight hours. Well, they will. I mean, dude, I, I, like, I can show you. I mean, I got like a string, just yards and yards and yards of tax message back and forth that happened probably over the course of about a week. Yeah. You know, when it was just like, hey, do, you know, I forgot to mention that, did you want to get the weather tech mats? There's another one here. I was like, Yes, because the winter suck and those are going to just... Oh, yeah. yeah. 100%. And a lot of them will upsell themselves. Yeah. Like, you know, I really think I really want the bigger model. Because it's coming. It's coming. It's coming, I'll, right? I'll like, take it's it. You know what I was thinking about? It's it. Maybe a, I should do the Lariat, maybe instead of the yeah. XLT, or, you know, maybe I should do the S model, you know, but you have time to do that. Yeah. See, I like, and you know, it's funny, because I've been seeing this language a lot uh, lately in certain OEMs, not all, but certain. Uh, Ford, I've seen it used a lot as the word reservation. Mm-hmm. So I don't, like when I first started doing my shopping and the guy was like, well, wait, we're gonna order it. We're gonna order it. We're gonna order it, right? I'm like, I don't know, it just felt tight. Yeah. You know, it was like, okay, well, I'm, I'm locked into this, this order and I better make sure I'm ordering the exact the right, right thing because, you know, it's kind of like, you know, ordering a meal and then it comes out and go, ah, oh, shit, that's not really what I wanted, you know? And you just, you have that emotion, but mm-hmm. no, that, they're like, okay, well, we're going to reserve it, all right, and then it's going to take some time. Mm-hmm. And then through the reservation process is when I was like, yeah. okay, add this, let's add this, let's add this. But I, I actually think that's a word that I think I would like to see used in internet sales more often than it is right now. In order. Yeah. Because it seems so final. Yes. And you know, the other thing I was thinking about, too, was um, trade-in. Mm-hmm. I actually don't even like the word. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't, right? And I don't think customers like it. No. As an industry, we actually use it everywhere. I mean, yeah. you'll go to, like, every website out there, trade-in form. Trade Why? evaluation. Trade evaluation. Like, but I don't, what if I don't want to trade it? What if I just, I just want to find out what it's worth. Yeah. Like, I want to, I'll think about it, yeah. but, you know, it's just like, okay, so if I go through this process, if it feels like I'm kind of like implying that I want to trade, trade this in, in yeah. you know, I was working with the BDC, and I know we're going to talk a little more about BDC, but I was working with the BDC, and I asked them to actually start changing their language, so I've used the word trade in, I said, just ask about the, about the customer's car, you know, what do they drive, yeah. right, and see how much more information you collect. They were able to collect almost 80% of the customers that they spoke to, what current vehicle they were driving, not as a trade, but then they had that information. Yeah. Then the used car managers go, oh, I want that one, I want that one, I want that one, I need that one, you know? Yeah. Anyways, I digress. Um, inter- okay, let's go Let's go talk a little bit about leadership because we were kind of heading that direction and I got squirrely as usual. Um, 
again over the last 24 months leadership has changed a lot big time um what have you seen i've seen the good bad and the ugly it's <laughs> a great movie <laughs> it is a great movie it's a great it's, movie. it's you've seen leadership like for myself and, and i'm not patting myself on the back yeah. and saying i'm this greatest thing but for me this past 24 months has really triggered what makes me a leader what makes me a little bit different um because you've seen a lot of lack of leadership a lot of management a lot less of leadership um because a lot of them this has been uncertain times and a lot of them got so overwhelmed you know we use that the word that's been overused so many times with pivot I want a shirt that says pivot. I want a, I want a bumper sticker. Like, I want a bumper sticker. Yeah, pivot it's, it's, 2022. It's the, it's the Friends episode. <laughs> um, but we've had, we, we, we've had to really make some shifts and changes and things that we do. And a lot of them got so fatigued with yeah. change yep. that they just folded. Oh, yeah. and, and so a lot of leaders or managers just kind of took a step back and just let things go. And, you know, these times is when leadership really needs to step in and show what their true colors are and how to actually lead through a, a pandemic and through all the different changes that are heading our way. And a lot of these people just stopped. Well, they just stopped or they or really what is so did they did they stop or was it this was a point in time where you actually had to be a leader and they really weren't in the first place. Do you know what I mean? Because, like, look, I think there are some amazing managers out there that are phenomenal trainers and coaches, Mm -hmm. all right? Being a leader is far, far different from being a trainer and a coach. And it's it's not something that we typically, like, develop out of people, you know? It's just, like, we just put you in a leadership role. You're a leader. You're a leader. Congrats. Here's a sticker. Um, (laughs) They have no clue what they just got into. So let's dive a little farther. Like, what... How do you define a leader? What makes a leader? I think for me, like for me, when I'm looking for leadership, it's it's the vision, okay. the vision of where we're headed, how we're going to get there, mm. and and the willingness to Gross. change yes. plans because of the surroundings change. Did we realize that we were going to have a huge vehicle shortage? No, we didn't realize it was going to be this bad. Did we realize that the pandemic was going to be two years and we're still kind of dealing with it? No. And, and being able to have vision, this is where we're headed, this is where we're going, this is what I want for each person inside of the dealership. Doesn't matter if you're a salesperson who's green to this, doesn't matter if you're the BDC rep, finance, a man that sales manager, doesn't matter who you are inside of it, this is where you fit, this is where we're going, and if you go down this path, this is what it's gonna take us. And I think for me, that's what makes a great leader because then you can you can say hey we're gonna do x y and z and this is how we're gonna do it and this is how we're gonna get there and then everybody pushes towards that goal well it's a willingness to steer the ship yeah right it's like okay we are in uncharted waters okay this is um you know if you've been in the industry if you're watching or listening you've been in the industry for you know 20 or plus years okay you've seen some ebb and flows you've been through a few recessions and so on and so forth this is definitely not something that we've been through in the past i mean well i don't think we some of the conversations i've had in the last 24 months i would have never in my wildest dreams thought we were going to have conversations like this but but you're right though i mean i think a good leader is willing to take take the helm 
all right grab the wheel and point the ship in a direction and and own whatever that direction is yeah all right you know, and good, i think a lot ride. of them wanted to freak out which is understandable of course <laughs> like <laughs> you're allowed to freak out when you get home but not while you're trying to steer the ship that's true. That's true. But but that is that is a good point. I mean, look, I think, you know, there I think there are a lot of owners out there um, that look at their managers and they look to them to be leaders, mm-hmm. but they don't necessarily need to be leaders. No. Um, and it, and if they're really good at training your team on what to do and coaching them through the efforts so that the results are better, that is an amazing mm-hmm. talent in itself. All right, but it is a very different set of talents. For someone to t- to willingly, all right, stand up and say, "Look, if if I if I fail and we go the wrong direction, I'm gonna own it. Yeah. All right, so let me take the wheel and let's. I'm gonna steer this bad boy. All right, we're gonna go this way now. <laughs> oh wait, nope. Okay, let's go this way. <laughs> and I think with a lot of uh, dealerships, you you ha- you don't have to be the GM to be the leader. No, that's a good point. And I you think really a lot of times we were, everybody was looking around like, who's the leader, who's the leader? Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if you are not in that position. Yeah. If, if, if you have people following you, you are a leader. Yes. And so you, you have to just go through it. You don't have to be the GM or the GSM to be the leader of the pack. But, yeah. but, I, but I think it does have to be clearly defined. Because so, so here's something that I've noticed. And, Look, over the last 24 months, I've done a lot more consulting than I ever thought I was going to do. You know, um, you know, my marketing agency took a, took a hit, like most agencies did. I mean, we lost you know 65% of our business in the first two months of the pandemic. And a good chunk of that's come back, but still, a lot of my time over the last 24 months has been spent on consulting. And the one thing that I've been surprised about of the hundreds of dealerships that I've stepped foot in is that it's not really clearly defined who is the leader, mm-hmm. right? It's almost just like, I'll get in some of these meetings. It's, it's not that it's a bad thing, so I don't want this to be a negative thing. It's just, yeah. they're all just kind of looking at each other. All right, well, and, and they'll take bits and pieces. They're like, okay, well, I'll own this portion of it. I'll own that portion of it. But that's not, that doesn't work that way. Huh. So how do you define, like, how do you identify? That's what I mean, I guess. How do you, how do you identify the leaders within your, within your dealership? I, think, I know for me, you know, because I've had some, some failed leadership that I've had to deal with mm-hmm. during the pandemic. And when you were looking, I was looking around and I was like, there's no one. I have to, I have to. You just step up. You have to step up. Yep. And so if you're looking around, like, where's the leader? It might be you. Like, <laughs> you might be the guy who has to take it or the girl who has to take it the next step. Yes. Because I, in a lot of cases, that's what's happened is that you're looking around, like, who's going to lead the ship? And like, I don't know, will you take this? No, no, no. Well, I'm going to take, no. You eventually just have to go, all right. If no one else is going to, I'm going to. Yes. And in in a lot of dealerships, that's what what has happened is no one else wanted to. So either either but, if you do, and if why you is that? Why does nobody want to step? Up? Is it is it because there's accountability and the potential for failure? Like is that yeah. the reason why? I think so. Okay. I think a lot of people don't want that level of accountability and that level of threat um, because if it does fail, it's on you. Yeah. And but if it's successful, it's on you. Like, <laughs> like think about it this true. way. Right. You can go about it all kinds of different ways. Like, if it fails, it's on me. But if it's yes. successful, it's also on you. Yes. And so if you realize in leadership that everything, good, bad, and ugly, is your fault, <laughs> just go for it. Just go for it. Like, a, good, a good leader. But that's a good point. Like, a good leader um, never stops learning. Yeah. 
right? Through every success and every failure, all right, there's a lesson to be learned and they continue to evolve and they continue to get better. But that's, it's not only a mindset, uh, but also I think kind of a bit of a personality trait. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I was working with a dealership recently and uh, they were really struggling with their management to identify the leadership. And there was, but I said, they're like, well, they're a bad manager. I said, no, they're not a bad manager. Okay, they just don't handle failure the way you would handle it. Mm -hmm. Okay, they're very good at coaching the staff. They're very good at training on the activities that are required to get the deal done. Okay, they just don't want, they don't feel comfortable, it's a comfort thing for mm -hmm. them, to take and own that risk of trying to move this way or go left or veer right or pivot. <laughs> for lack of better words. <laughs> But I think, yeah, I think with with some cases, we put people in, in management leadership roles and we, we want them to do certain things and it's not what they're good at. No. But they're amazing at this. So let them do that. Let them own it. Yeah. Let them own that because you need that. <laughs> I, and, and you can figure out the rest of that little piece. Yeah. I, I had this, uh, a really good manager, mentor of mine, uh, when I was starting in the business and he would just call everybody Jacks. Right, I'm like jacks, jacks of all trades and masters of all. <laughs> like, it's like he goes, and that was his goal was never to have a staff like that. He didn't want a bunch of jacks. All right, no, he's like, I'm gonna make masters. Right, and to do that, you had to actually spend time to identify you know, as a leader, spend time to identify, you know, what they can master and let them master, and that is what their value is to the yep. company. Yep. I know. Look. We could probably go for a whole podcast just on leadership, but I do want to talk a little bit about BDC. So let's seg our segue over to, to BDC for a bit because, again, there's leadership in there as well, and it kind of goes into what we are talking about processes with Internet mm -hmm. sales and stuff. But, I mean, that's, again, another department that's just kind of really fundamentally changed, you know, and change in, impacted. Maybe impacted is probably the better word. You know, how do you feel that that department has been impacted over the last 24 months? Well, you know, it's like... With BDC and internet sales, everybody wanted to go like you have to have one or the other, and they always yeah, like kind separate of islands, and yeah. and they're all separate <laughs> islands, and and you know the BDC is in a closet, in the back of the dealership, and yeah. and those type of things, and and for me, what what really worked to really shift and cause massive success. Mm -hmm is I married both of them. So I have an internet sales department and a BDC in the same room. Mm. And what it did for the BDC reps is it, it leveled up where they are as, as, as an individual inside the dealership because so there's so much more knowledge that gets shared. It's, it's a huge team. And there's so much more knowledge getting shared that they become, because your BDC rep is a sales rep. And that's where I think a lot of them you know, get it wrong is they, they glorify them into like receptionist. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. And then they pay them that way and that's what they get. Yep. And so for, for me, it was really getting them inside that room in really the boiler room effect. <laughs> that, that, that call culture, that, that business yes. development culture where they're all working. Yeah, like and they're that. supposed to develop business, not just answer leads. <laughs> Let's just, it's, it's, it's in the title. Of it's the in the title, I mean, and we were like, they lead handle. No, they're supposed to develop business, which, yes. you know, which was was something that I think was lost. We just kind of was like, this is a BDC. No, that's a, that's somebody who handles leads, not actually develops business, and we didn't treat them 
yes. the way that we would treat a salesperson and and I think with us developing them to be able to to develop their own book of business mm-hmm. um, to become their own Facebook stars and and create business that didn't exist for the dealership on their own made it huge impact inside the dealership plus it allows them to be inside that room to grow because eventually you want them to become a sales rep. 100%. I mean, that's a good point. There, there should be kind of a, a transition. transition, yes. Yeah. And instead, we just kind of had this revolving door of people that just continued to move to, to leave eventually because they got frustrated. And, and so I really made an emphasis on training these uh, assassins, basically, to be able to handle any objection, um, to get numbers to a customer, to to really elevate their game, so they are they are another extension of the sales department, and are able to make decisions and make them fast, well, so the consumer can get answers. That's that's what you have to do these days, right? Yeah. Like it's I love the fact that you kind of mold the two of them together and they really become a team. Look, Josh, I know we're getting towards the tail end of our time. And um, I, I think we could definitely go a lot longer on this topic, 100%. Uh, but uh, for everyone out there that's watching and listening right now, maybe you'd like to pick up on where we left off in some of these conversations. Uh, what's the best way to connect with you? So obviously you can find me on LinkedIn. You can find me on Facebook at Joshua. I think it's Joshua Thomas Mitchell. I went full, full, full uh, legal name on that one. Uh, and then Instagram, I'm Auto Disruptor. If you look up Auto Disruptor, you'll find me. <laughs> Um, and obviously, I'll even give you my cell phone number. So if you want to call me, text me, text me, okay? And, and follow him, text. <laughs> Don't call me because I'll be like, who the heck is this? But it's 859-421-9377. I'll answer anything. I'll help you out. You know, it's for me in this industry, it's, it's critical for me to um, help other people in the industry. 100%. And, you know, I've learned from a lot of things. So you can take my headaches that I've had and my failures and not not have to learn from them. I already did it for you. <laughs> awesome. Josh, thanks so much Thank for you. taking time, dude. This was a lot of fun. Thanks for tuning in to the Strategy with Jason podcast with your host, Jason Harris. Don't want to miss new content? Be sure to check out the full podcast library at strategywithjason.com to stay in the know. Remember to like, comment, and subscribe. Happy podcasting.